Hi, this is Tim Winter. Welcome to What Would Dave Do? A digital conversation exploring the leadership experience. You can listen to it at timwinter.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. What would Dave do? A podcast exploring the leadership experience. Super excited today to introduce my second guest. Episode two. Wow, we're here. Uh, a dear, dear friend of mine and someone that I admire greatly, uh, Miss Haley Hay. She is a director at Autodesk, uh, director of Anaplan, Anaplan Planning and Forecasting. Quite the title. Um, I've had the opportunity of working with Haley and have admired her and uh, over the years have become dear, dear friends and uh, excited to have her on the show and uh, welcome Haley. Thanks, Tim. I am doing great. What have you been up to? Like well, I haven't, well, let's see. I saw you at Christmas. So we saw yeah. you at the Christmas party and I was coveting all your beautiful mid-century Christmas decorations, but <laughs> Other than that, uh, what have you? I, I I know the answer to this question, so I, it's a rhetorical, but I'm asking it anyway. What have you? What the heck have you been up to? Well, I am on a six-week sabbatical. Uh, the company I work for, Autodesk, has an amazing benefit where every four years of tenure, you earn a six-week paid sabbatical. So I'm currently on week five of my six weeks, and I've just returned from spending the first three weeks in Switzerland snowboarding. And then I went to Mexico for a week. And now I'm just getting caught up on life stuff, appointments, house things, reconnecting with friends. Um, so yeah, I'm off. And it's the first time I've been off, I think, ever to this extent. And it's very cool what's happening in my brain. So the sabbatical, so the purpose, obviously Autodesk makes an investment in this because they want you to come back uh, re recharged, uh, maybe a new perspective, new ideas, right. uh, more creative. More creative, coming back with new innovations, having had time to actually think about stuff where we can take the products, the company, the teams. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so envious. And I think it's like, you, you know, I, I think if I took a sabbatical, I would wash my boat and, you know, do chores. And yeah. I, I think the fact that you took off to Europe and Switzerland and, and you know, we'll get into that, like, because I know you're in, you're kind of an you're kind of an extreme person when it comes to that <laughs> stuff. But um, I think that, you know, kudos. I, and, I, and what a great. So so do you feel that way? Have you come back? Do you feel more innovative? Are you are you kind of looking forward to week seven yeah, when you're I mean, back? I, I would, I know myself also, and you know, I could have spent all six weeks doing chores and house projects. So I knew I had to get out of here. And um, I've always wanted to snowboard in the Alps. And um, 
interestingly enough, one of my team members lives in Lausanne, Switzerland. So he helped me plan the trip and hosted for a few days. And it was just amazing um, to kind of know a local and, and do the whole thing. So I visited three different regions in the Swiss and French Alps and Swiss and Italian Alps. And um, it was amazing. Yeah, I, I climbed mountains, literally, you know, standing on the the knife's edge and every foothold could be a death or at least a major injury and then snowboarded down them. And yeah, you're right. I'm, I am an extreme sports person and I've got a bunch of things I, I ticked off my list and kind of realized that I, I don't need to do them again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, just tempting fate. You're, you're yeah. gone. Okay. Yeah. Had some anxiety attacks up there. You know, there's not a lot of air. The, the elevation's really high. And just hiking around in the off-piste is what they say in the backcountry. So it was great. Uh, I did have a guide, I will say, for that part of the trip. Who knew what they were doing? But it was all new for me, and it was great. So a guide is, right? Like, we all need guides in our life. Whether, there you, you know, go, yeah. I mean, you're a pretty accomplished uh, uh, uh sports or snowboarder. I mean, you've been in roller derby, you, you, you bike for like 5,000 miles uh, <laughs> on Sunday morning. I don't know. You're, you do some crazy <laughs> stuff. So, but even with all that experience, you still need a guide, which is such a, a guide. Yeah. Which is great segue into, you know, when I met you, it was kind of, you know, it was by chance. Uh, I was working at Metal Toad Media. As the story goes, you were working across the street. You saw this activity happening in this on this uh, on the fourth floor, and they were writing on the windows and they were doing things. And you were curious, like, what the heck is that business? What are they doing? Like, what are they doing over there? Is that Willy Wonka? I mean, what, <laughs> is that a factory or is that a real business? And you walked over. You went up the elevator. You met Randy King, who interviewed you and or at least gave you a tour and told you about the company. And Randy came to me and we met either the next day. Maybe it was that day. I think it was the next day. And, um, you know, that was what, 15 years ago? Yeah. Ten, something like that? I, I forget. <laughs> so here we are. A long time ago. <laughs> so here we are. To, you know, here we are. So, um, so. How has your leadership changed from that day? Yeah, I mean, I, I literally walked my way into the tech industry just by, you know, looking across the street and being curious what was going inside of a building and having having the gusto to walk over there and say hi. And, you know, I was thinking about this question a little bit last night and just generally I've matured. I've matured as a person and I've matured as a leader just by having more experiences and challenges and situations you get thrown into. Um, you know, I started my career in 2000 as an entrepreneur. I started two businesses in Los Angeles, you know, fully winging it. Um, I only had two years of college at the time. And then I joined corporate America as a project manager in about 2007. And at, you know, when you're young, you're just out to prove yourself and you're doing, doing, doing. I never said no to an ask. I would grind late hours. Um, and when you're a lower level project manager like that, you don't have direct management authority over the people. So I, I struggled and I used techniques um, to get people to do things that were not very effective. So 
as I've gotten older and wider, wiser, I've become a better listener, you know, less reactive, giving myself space to think before I react to a situation. Um, and, and then I've also been incredibly fortunate in most of the companies that I've worked for to have leadership invest in me. So last year I had the privilege of continuing some leadership education through an organization called Leading Women in Technology. I don't know if you've heard yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> they have fantastic speakers. Um, and also I've been fortunate enough to work with two different executive coaches where I've focused on my ability to influence and then really focus on the personal brand. So how do I want people to feel in their interactions with me? How do, how do I want people to feel when I enter a room, leave the room? And a lot of that work is based on Susan Hodgkinson's book, The Leader's Edge. Okay, sure. yeah, yeah. But yeah, and so, you know, as I'm continuing to grow and learn from all these various resources and coaches and classes, then I'm able to then pass that to the rest of my team and the rest of the people that I mentor and and coach. And, and so it just, you know, it just, uh, what's it, you pay it for? Is that what it's yeah. called? It just kind of goes on and on and um. I think I've just kind of, even though I'm still <laughs> rather extreme in many ways, I've, I have chilled out a bit, which which is nice. And I'm kind of like settling into my own as a leader. Well, for me personally, it's been fun and to watch you because when I when I first met you and first started working with you, you were a, the proverbial bull in a china shop, mm -hmm. and um, you know <clears throat> you were a force, but it wasn't a controlled force. So yeah. it wasn't as effective as it could have been, but I always saw those those pockets of leadership, those those, and and I subscribe to the four pillars of leadership, where you must have a vision, must be authentic, it must be genuine, you must be able to communicate it sincerely, uh, you must be able to self manage, and you must be able to surround yourself with great people and have great people want to work for you. Mm -hmm. And when I think about you, you've been able to accomplish all of those. Um, yeah. I remember the first offsite when I wanted you to take over uh, being the director of project management. And I, I remember it because you were so frustrated. You came to me and you said, they keep talking about this great process they have, but I can't find any documentation and everybody's doing it different. And I challenged you to say, well, then bring it together. Let's document it which required us to do an offsite. And I still, to this day, am so impressed with your ability to, uh, your facilitation skills. And uh, I was telling uh, my wife about this the other day. She she was inquiring about what that meeting was. And she thought that that offsite was my meeting. I said, oh no, I was just a participant. That was all Haley. And she had these little characters and she had some stuffed animals. And can you remind me what, what those? What <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because I think you still use them today, right? I, yeah, I still do. I don't, you know, I don't facilitate as much anymore as I used to, but it is something that I really, really love. I love facilitating workshops. And that particular thing was called a Kaizen event for any lean, you know, lean Six Sigma uh, nerds listening. But um, I, I love facilitating that. And the two things I use, I use, I have a Elmo. Uh, a stuffed Elmo, Sesame Street Elmo, and that stands for enough, let's move on. So when somebody's kind of rambling on and not getting to the point, you can, you know, gently place that in front of them to give them a cue, okay, wrap it up. Um, 
And then when I was younger in my career, I would tend to move too fast or trying to move people too fast along. And so I had a Dora, Dora the Explorer, stuffed animal or stuffed character that people could give to me or somebody else that would say, hey, slow down. We actually do need to stop and explore those. And uh, I know many other facilitators who now use those two <laughs> characters and have them in their toolkit. And they're, they're really effective. Um, well, absolutely. People. And it was super effective. I, I remember even somebody giving it to you during the, the Kaizen, yes. <clears throat> yes. which is great as a facilitator to use your own tools, you know, and to be part of the process, which I, I think is, is really effective. I saw that. I think you were also invited to be um, part of Portland leadership through the Portland Business Alliance. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, you know, true to form, you were a participant and then you you got involved in it. I don't know if you still are, but then you got involved in it as uh, as a facilitator and as a as a really, really trying to, to to helping that go. And I think you did that for two years. Are you still involved yeah, with that? I did that for two or three years until um, until COVID, and then they moved everything virtually. Um, and and now I think they have an external firm facilitating it that does a better job with virtual events and things. But yeah, that was so great. Um, I really like that organization and that whole program. I learned so much and met some really cool people. And um, yeah, that was good. And thank you for speaking at those <laughs> those those few uh, years. Yeah, you know, I tell you, I, I, I enjoyed it so much. Probably year one first, I enjoyed it more. I think I put more energy personally. Um, but I, I the friendships and the connections that came out of that, there are still people to this day that that reach out to me who I had met through that, uh, through facilitating the, the four pillars of leadership. Mm -hmm. um, so that that was great. But but there again, there's a thread there, Haley, where, you know, it, it's I, I'm going to say this again, but it's so fun to watch your career from the time when I met you to where you're at in the, the conversations that we have uh, and the conversations um that I hear you have, or, or the way that you describe your work, is uh, is just so different, and it, and you've grown so much. Um, let me ask you this: Is leadership omnipresent, or is it specific to a job and a team? And and I have an opinion on this, but I'm just asking the question. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it depends. <laughs> um, you know, there's times I think it, uh, that it's not. Like, you know, right now, if we look at our political geographies, you know, there's a lot of, even just being overseas recently, uh, I feel like generally the human experience feels a bit, a bit leaderless in terms of, you know, the, the Swiss people and, and the Brits that I met and, and Brexit and, you know, everything that's going on in America. It's like, there really isn't a trusted and accepted leader that humans are are gravitating to um that i've been able to identify but where i i do think it is at the company level like when i think about people and the companies that they work for and i talk to other people that work for other places um you know who's in the c-suite and who's empowering the other leaders at the company that then lead the teams like i it really does start at the top um, but at the moment, it feels like it's kind of contained into these smaller 
groups and I'll just use different, you know, companies as an example versus an omnipresent leader against all of all the humans. I know that, um, you know, when you're at work, depending on who you're working for and who's leading, you're having different experiences. Um, and, you know, what do good leaders have? Like you've got your four pillars, but it's also, you know, empathy, transparency, being mm -hmm. good listeners, who's motivating, open-minded, respect, humble, supportive, all that good stuff that, you know, helps people feel safe and um, purposeful at work and have a sense of belonging. And they, they want to show up and do a good job and turn off the light at night. And so they're re-energized to come back and do it again the next day. And that's really what I aspire to create on, on my teams. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful. I, I, I do think there's a void of leadership. I think that we've gone through in the world, I think we've gone through a transition um, where we look at leadership, in my opinion, is on the world stage has become more privilege mm -hmm. and less about service. Mm. And I think we need more servient leadership. And uh, it really has become about privilege. And, um, and you see that repeat itself over and over. I don't care what side of the spectrum you're on. You, um, you know, you see it. And I think it's a very dangerous place to be um, because we, we fought that for so long. Leadership is not about privilege. Um, leadership is, if you're doing it right, you're leaving everything on the field. Yeah. Every game. And uh, it, it's not privilege. Um, so I think it's an interesting time. And uh, I loved your answer. I, I, <laughs> I, I appreciate, no, I do. I appreciate how you, you're, you know, you use a model, whether it's four pillars or whether it's whatever, and then you're building on that with your, and, and bolting on your own pieces that make it genuine to you. And, yeah, and, and realizing what's really in your span of, influence and control. And for some of us, that's a bigger span um, than others. But, you know, I, I see my boss modeling those things and I see his boss modeling those things and I see our CEO modeling those things. And so that's why for my own personal experience, it's really, I'm seeing it very well done at the company level, but not so much outside of the company. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, and, and, and that's yeah. why you've stayed and that's why yeah, you've grown exactly. at Autodesk and you know, I think what's fascinating about there is how many people have followed you to Autodesk. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, you're a one person recruiter and the talent <laughs> that you have brought to that company. And, and they didn't they didn't come because it's Autodesk. They came because of you. And yeah. now, great. It, it, granted, it's a great, I mean, company, it's a great company. But yeah, <laughs> but they might not have looked at it had it not been for you and, and the, the story that you tell about that. Um, a, a little hint, you know, Haley, a, a lot of people look for, you know, they just want directions and they just want to follow a process. And I, and, and your natural leadership and your natural ability to take that and then look for ways to improve it or to make, make it so you can own it as your own, uh, is that inherent natural leadership that you showed on the very first day that I met you and you've seen, <laughs> and I've seen it progress all the way through your career. And, uh, and again, I'm, I'm you know, I,
I look at you as kind of, you know, one of my students and um, I, uh, it, it's clearly getting to the point now where the, the teacher is becoming the student and the <laughs> student is becoming the teacher. And I'm very happy to have that happen. Um, and just super proud of you and, and really yeah. value our friendship and, um, in our relationship, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love having someone that's knows, known me in this way professionally for so long who can see the growth and, um, you know, reflect back to me because, you know, I'm just, I'm just out here, Haley, doing Haley, being Haley. And this summer I was honored to receive a really, uh, significant award from my vendor. And it's just, you know, it's humbling because you're like, what me? Like, I'm just kind of doing out here doing my thing. And, you know, but I've made a huge impact um, for that company and, and that community of people and the, the technology experts that um, use that program and to be recognized externally as, you know, the center of excellence leader of the year. It's like, well, I'm just doing my thing, you know, this is just what I do, but it's really cool. And, and it kind of hit me like, you know, it is meaningful. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, what I'm doing, I got some wonderful advice just recently. Um, I, I, when I left West coast event productions, they wanted to have a, a going away party for me. And, uh, I was really reluctant to do that. And um, the advice I got was from my friend Veronica, who said, Tim, just let it happen and take it all in. Mm -hmm. Just accept it. They want to do this as a gift to you. So just accept it. Mm. And <laughs> it was one of the hardest things I ever did. <laughs> but just accepting that gratitude and that love and, yeah. and just allowing them allowing someone else to give that. Yeah. Um, so I, I would give you the same advice. It's not just all shucks. It's Haley, you made an impact. And I'm glad you recognize that you made an impact and they wanted to recognize you. And, yeah. you know, I think that's, uh, that's wonderful. Who, who out there in the world are you currently following? Well, I gotta be honest, during my sabbatical, I've been really trying to disconnect. Follow nobody? <laughs> um, you know, I'm currently following a bunch of chicken people. Uh, I, I fancy getting chickens in my backyard, I think. That's something I've been researching. <laughs> what? Which is all new and I have a lot to learn. Uh, probably doesn't have all that much to do with leadership. But, oh, uh, those chicken coops get pretty elaborate. I'm currently <laughs> following a lot of chicken people. Awesome. Um, and then, yeah, just working on, um, so one of my coaches, Carol Izasaki, she's from Strategic Brand Intelligence. We did a bunch of work uh, before I went out. So I'm, you know, reflecting on a lot of the work that um, she and I had had talked about and really trying to form it up and, and true things up for myself. Uh, but no, nothing, nobody too... Uh, mind blowing at the at the moment. Am I following? Oh, great. <laughs> <of> leadership. <laughs> well, and you know, congratulations. That's what the sabbatical's for. It's not to you know. Uh, I mean, hopefully your you know your your LinkedIn account has been disabled. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, no, I mean, I'm still looking at that. But <laughs> okay. How do you think? So you know, you've been in the workforce for a, a, a fair amount of time. And I think this is a really interesting topic that's I want to explore more, but because I see it, but, and I like to ask all my guests, like, 
I, I see it happening, but I'm, I'm just curious how people, and, and you work in tech, so you have a, a, a unique perspective on it. You work with a, a younger workforce, or uh, mm-hmm. certainly there are younger people, and there, mm-hmm. there's older people too, but, you know. Uh, yeah. So how do you think work has changed our attitudes about work? Yes. Because I think work is changing in front of our very eyes across Western, you know, uh, culture. And I'm not sure we're having a lot of conversations as it just is kind of happening. It's kind of becoming a snowball going down the hill. I agree 100% with that. Um, It's definitely changing. It feels like, yes, we're on a sled going down a hill and we're not really sure what's happening or what we're going to crash into at the bottom. But in tech anyways, um, for me and my teams, it's (laughs) truly the amount of Zoom that we're on each day has certainly changed how we work and the attitudes around that work style vary widely depending on a person's um, style and personality and still makes it hard to turn off. Um, That's, not having not been on Zoom or really much computer time at all the last four and a half weeks, um, you know, opening up the laptop is just like, oh my God, here we go, <laughs> right? Um, so there's that, but then also, you know, I feel like with the great resignation and quiet, quiet quitting that's happening, some buzzwords out there, what I'm seeing is the expertise that a person, individual, or a team has that expertise and knowledge is really getting diluted as those people leave companies or disengage at work. So a big part of my job is keeping people engaged and empower their ability to learn and practice new skills. So whether that's soft skills like mentoring up a new people manager, people leader, or hard skills, more technology skills, you know, I wanna grow that expertise in-house and have it stay in-house and, you know, there's been a lot of um, people coming and going at my company, and it's just been very interesting to see that that um, history and knowledge walk out walk out the door, and how the people that are left or the new people, um, you know, try to fill in those gaps. Um, that's one thing, and then people on my team, just based on the tech stack they're, that they're working in, are headhunted by recruiters weekly, if not daily, and being promised tens of thousands more salary than I can pay them right now. But yet they stay with Autodesk and they stay with me. So that speaks volumes to the intrinsic value that they're getting here. So yeah, people don't work for companies, people work for people. Right. And so there's there is a big group of people. And you're right, I do generally work with people that are younger in age. Um, that understand the importance of the intrinsic and won't sell themselves to the highest bidder. And that's not, you know, that's not a blanket statement, but that's what I've been noticing as well. As many people that are resigning and quiet quitting, there's just as many that are doubling down and staying because they have a great work environment, wonderful benefits, awesome coworkers, psychological safety, you know, all that great stuff that makes an extra 20, 30 cray in base salary, not that big of a deal. Yeah. And that's really cool. Yeah. I, I think that 
you know, a lot of people want to blame the pandemic. And I think that this has been happening since the 70s. And I think we're just now, certainly the pandemic might have pushed it a little bit. But I think we went through a phase where work was really treacherous and people just kind of slogged through it and through the 70s, maybe even before, And if you really look at the history of work. And then I think there was a this bright spot kind of in the late 90s, early where companies started to, you know, have free coffee and snacks and these cool oh, offices and, and that engaged people for a while. And, but it wasn't quite enough, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then we got to the pandemic where the pandemic, you know, everything changed. And I, I think people that, that did push it, but I think people had been looking for more in their, um, in the, from their work. Uh, and now we're just really starting to see it and it's manifesting itself with the great resignation with people saying, I'm going to go do van life or, I, you know, I'm going to go volunteer in, uh, you know, in South America and work at an orphanage or whatever it is. And really trying to get, um, you know, value out of life. And, and where we're seeing in Western culture, you know, everyone's talking, oh, the four-day work week and this and that. I think people are just looking for more in the, in the, in the, than just punching the clock or going to work or having snacks. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so we're seeing work change. And because work is changing, leadership has to change and companies have to change. And oh, by the way, companies don't realize that people work for people, not leaders, <laughs> are, are not people. That's why they let, you know, that, that, that's why they'll let people leave. That's why they'll, they'll you know, the reaction. Um, but, but let it be known that People do not work for companies. They, they work for people. And if you can pick a great boss, um, it really doesn't matter what the company is. So exactly. I think it will be an interesting conversation. And I, I, I look forward to, you know, having somebody on the show who really has explored work. And I actually have somebody in mind to have the whole conversations. And, you know, you just see it. And uh, there was a CEO not too long ago. I don't know what company they were, uh, what company they were from, but they they were talking about going back to work and back mm -hmm. into the office. Mm -hmm. And they're like, "Oh no, they will." And this this CEO made this statement, and I was just like, "Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> they'll they'll leave you in a heart in a in a, in a second. You, you you can't make that edict, right? But because work and the attitude around work is changing. So I agree. Yeah, All and right. being to work, you know, in when when you want to work, you know, if time shifting and working on a Saturday works better for your life schedule, like, you know, at least in the work that I do, um, as long as it gets done, <laughs> I, I, you could work at 2 a.m. if you really wanted to. I'd, you know, prefer if you didn't for your own sleep health. But, you know, people can adjust to to what works for them and still meet the goals and the deadlines that that need to be met. And people have a find a lot of freedom in that. 
And I will tell you, people think it's tech only because of the way tech works, but I'm telling you it's more about the attitude of the company than the than the 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 job that is being done. Yeah. Yeah. You could do it in a retailer if you really wanted to. You you can you could apps yes, there's a schedule and there's a the stores are open a certain amount of hours and you need certain things, but it's really more about an attitude and and an attitude of how you look at work being done. Uh, and I think there's just so much, you know, clock punching and, you know, people sitting at their, they're just waiting till five o'clock rolls along, uh, right. which is just such a farce. And, uh, uh, I, I just, I feel bad for people who have to work in that environment. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're getting to Elmo time and <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put, the, I'm pulling the Elmo out. Um, all right. But uh, I want to talk to you. I, I want you to share a story. So, and and just so you know, Haley, I was really excited to have you on the show because uh, I think you met Dave once. He came into Metal Toad, and I, I believe I introduced you. Yes. But he would so appreciate your leadership style. He would show so appreciate your kick ass and and the way that you love your people and the way that you engage them. Uh, he, he would really think. Uh, he, he would he would love to work with you. Uh, I can I can tell you that. So um, really glad you joined me. But we're going to leave it on a story, and it's going to be your story. What's your favorite leadership story, or experience, or aha moment that you had in your career? Um, well, the story that I'm thinking about right now is actually a, a current challenge that I'm trying to navigate, and maybe is a is a is a tail for listeners, we can take feedback on, on what they would do. But, you know, a lot of, I'm seeing a lot of um, executive level leadership, sometimes thinking that team leads need to be former technical uh, people. So I like to call myself a technology agnostic leader of technical people. And my lack of hands-on keyboard knowledge of the technology, I can argue, has actually been a great benefit to the teams that I've led because it allows those technology experts to really shine. Um, you know, when you're in a meeting and, you know, sometimes people are automatically looking to the boss for the answers. And if we're talking about hands-on keys code writing, like that, that's not me. But what I love to do is give the team members that space to be the expert and have their own voice. And a lot of hiring managers don't understand the value of that and will pigeonhole people into a tech stack when really they could lead people that do any type of thing. You know, Tim, you've had a huge career leading people in all different walks of life, top types of jobs, and you've been an effective everywhere you go. And I aspire to be, to be similar. So it's, it's been fascinating when you get blocked in your career because, oh, well, you've never done X before. And it's like, well, do you want a team or do you want to, you know, do you want an amazing group of people that are excited to come to work today, every day and have psychological safety and, you know, productive, purposeful lives? Or do you want a so so manager who you know knows how to press keys and um you know i think that that's kind of confusing for some for some uh hiring folks to wrap their head around that 
people like you and I that have these diverse experiences, you know, me being an entrepreneur, um, I've worked for, for the government, I've worked for gas and electric utilities, creative agencies, and now a tech company, like this, this uh, melting pot of experience can, can be confusing. But what I know is that people like you and I may, and, and Dave can make a huge difference for people in any organization if they can get past the fact that you don't know a certain subject matter at that particular moment. Yeah, and <laughs> I've I, learned so many things because of this wide range of experience and I'm so grateful to like know all this cool new stuff now and have been able to do my thing that I do um, over and over and over again. And so I don't know if it's a favorite leadership story, but it's a leadership conundrum that uh, I think often about. Well, it all comes down to trust. And it is, uh, it's, it's what I talk about all the time. Do we need another leadership book? Do we need another? I mean, it's well-documented. Warren Bennis was doing this in the 60s. Um, but, and talking about these things, but it all comes down to trust. And if you don't know how to do it, what if they don't do it right? But what what the piece that they miss is that the connection and the and your perspective on it only makes them better. I would argue that w when we were at Metal Toad, we had somebody who was a genius at at uh, coding and at developing the. And I believe, in hindsight, when I that it was a hindrance that people waited, that um, people waited for Tony to decide. Mm -hmm. um, or they let him solve the problem where if you're when I would be working with people, they knew I knew I had no knowledge of it, but I would still give them direction or give them advice on how to deal with a certain situation. And right. I think and, and because the company had a great deal of trust, it was OK. And right. I think it really comes down to trust. I think it really comes down to continuing to develop leadership. Uh, at all levels of an organization and, and really identifying what you want from the leaders that you hire. And is it the technical skills? Yes, you have to have a little bit, but is it really about what and defining what they really want? Um, and I, I, it's, it's going to continue to be a challenge because you're always going to have those people who feel that way um, that you, you know, you have to know how to do it, but, I have proven in, in, in my career that, you know, I knew nothing about cannabis, but ran a successful cannabis company. I knew nothing about social services, but ran, was very effective COO in a nonprofit yeah. um, and knew nothing about it. But I know I'm a student. I know I'm curious and I know I have great leadership skills and I know that I'll motivate really smart people who are subject matter experts to do the best work that they've ever done. Yeah. And I think that's the story. I to that because yes, that, that, <laughs> that's where it's at. And I know, and I know that's what you can do. So I think you just have to, you know, you've been very successful and maybe we'll get feedback. Um, but I think that you should, um, you know, continue to play your game and, uh, and be you and, and add, and continue to add the value no matter where you work. And, uh, and I know that you will be recognized and, uh, and, and, Anyway, we could talk about this all day long. We could go on and on and on. Uh, Haley, I am not going to take any more of your time. I want you to enjoy the rest of your sabbatical. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. 
Thanks, Tim. I loved it. All right. Take care. Bye.